New Dimensions Radio has been making a difference on our planet since 1973, thanks to the generosity of our listeners. You too can help make a difference with a tax-deductible donation or membership. Please visit our website, newdimensions.org, and just click the Donate button. We at New Dimensions thank you for your support. I'm Justine Willis-Toms. Welcome to the New Dimensions Cafe. Today I'm hosting Azarm Garriman, and she's the author of Six Life Secrets of Content Women, A Guide for Emotional Self-Care. Azarm, thank you so much for being with us on the New Dimensions Cafe. Thank you. I'd like to start by asking you why this book, why another book about emotional self-care Actually, there are not many books about emotional self-care. Many books are about relationships with others. And there are many self-help books about diets and makeup and how to improve your sex life. I did not want to write another book about women's relationships with others. This book is focusing almost entirely on a woman's relationship with herself first. And as soon as I say this, I know many of us would begin to feel guilty because we associate taking care of ourselves with guilt. But this book is not about manicures and facials. This is going deeper into our emotional self-care and talking about how to strengthen our boundaries so that we don't become drained in the first place. You know, many of us have discovered, and there's been research about that hormone that women exude when they're in stress, and that's to tend and befriend. It seems as if men exude a different hormone and they go into fight or flight. So for many of us, it's so natural for us to be tending one another, to care for one another, to befriend one another. That is kind of our emotional makeup. So how can we go against that and really start to befriend ourselves? Oh, that's such a good point. Because you see, sometimes when we are not feeling good, what I'm hearing you say is, it makes me feel better when I associate with others, when I am in relationship with others. That's very true. But there comes a point when I'm giving and giving, and I've become what I call an all-you-can-eat buffet to others. And then I begin to experience symptoms of burnout. I become depressed. I become anxious. I become irritable. I become resentful. And, And then I begin to push people away through conflict. That's the only way I would know how to create a, quote, unquote, healthy distance, a space for me. So how to help a woman develop healthy boundaries and how to recognize what she needs without feeling guilty. You see, taking care of ourselves doesn't have to be a zero-sum game because we love our children and our mates and our friends and we want to be loving. There is great satisfaction in giving to others. So I'm not suggesting for a minute that we give to ourselves only. We want to give to ourselves and to them, not either or. And the question is, how do we do that? 
One of the ideas that you have in your book and one of the subjects that you talk about is sleep. Mm. Sometimes those of us who care for families and work outside the home and all of that, we're the first up to help with whatever it is, and we're the last to go to bed. And that way we get some time to ourselves. But you're saying that we're neglecting something very important. Yes, that's coming from a chapter called Live with Your Best Friend. And obviously that best friend is going to be you eventually. And we begin to wear our busyness and our lack of sleep as a badge of honor eventually. And it's hurting us. Lack of sleep drains us, makes us irritable, affects our mood, affects our weight. Many women are the artery of the family. And when she's hurting, many other members of the family begin to hurt. So it's paramount that she is well taken care of. There's nothing selfish about that. But the key to caring for ourselves is to know how to deal with the guilt that ensues as soon as we begin to care for ourselves. And we often feel that the guilt is internal. But the point I like to make is that this guilt is really an archetypal presence. It's the devouring negative archetypal mother that has been depicted for thousands of years in fairy tales as the witch mother, you know, the stepmother that didn't let Cinderella go to the ball, the Hans and Gretel, was it the stepmother that would do really mean things? It's that presence that has no care for us, wants us to be martyr, wants us to stay in the cold, puts us down, shames us, wants us to eat the bruised banana, and um, says, well, wait another two weeks before you get your hair colored, and, and it just postpones every goodness from us. We have to learn to keep an eye on her, because the moment we want to take good care of ourselves, she's going to get louder and louder. And how do we evoke the fairy godmother in us? And until we learn how to do that, our efforts at dieting, at improving our fitness, all of those, I'm afraid, will fizzle out because she's going to trump our efforts. So we've got to really learn how to talk back at her. And that's emotional self-care, is learning how to dialogue with this witch Going back to when you're talking about living with your best friend, you relate a story in your book about being in Paris and being, I think, at Notre Dame. Yes. And uh, someone said, oh, if you light a candle and, and make a wish. Yes. And you were wondering what to wish for. and what. Yes. One summer, we were in Paris at the Cathedral of Notre Dame, and my cousin said, you know, if you buy a candle and the idea is that when your wish comes true, then you come back and light it. And um, I didn't know what I wanted to wish for. I didn't want to make a frivolous wish. And so I sat there on a bench and eventually I said, may I know when my best friend is in my life? And several years passed and and then I said, well, even if my best friend is in my life, how would I know? One day I was talking to 
an elderly friend of mine who is a very wise man. And I was just talking about my life and things that I do. And he said, well, Asarm, it sounds like you're really your own best friend. And I realized that my wish had come true. But in a very unexpected way, I really was hoping that an external person would come to my life as my friend. And I hadn't realized that I had become my own best friend. And isn't that the most important idea in your whole book, how we can become our own best friend? Yes. You know, Carl Jung says we have to become our own father and our own mother. And for many years, we may look at other people to do that for us, kind of like training wheels on a bike. But eventually, we need to do that for ourselves. And when we do that, then we are in a position to be truly a rich friend to others and in a relationship. How have you found your life has changed since you've really concentrated on so many of these ideas that guide our emotional self-care? How is my life different? I really feel passionate about helping women empower themselves and organize their time so that they can do what they want to do. You see, when they organize their time and when they learn to say no to things that are peripheral, then they have time to do what they want to do. And when they do what they want to do, they become more content. And have you found that true in your life? I think so. I think over the years, I rarely do what I don't want to do. And I find time, you know, obviously to write books and to do the things that I want to do. Not every single thing that I do is enjoyable. You know, I don't like to change my sheets or you know, wash the car, things like that, but that's life. But to deeply understand what gives sustenance to me, and I live an uncluttered life. I socialize with people that I want. I don't do things I don't want to mm -hmm. do, but that has taken time to sift through. Mm -hmm. You mentioned sheets. I don't like to do mine either, but it's so wonderful to slip into yes. bed with clean, beautifully done sheets yes. and pillowcases. Yes. That's I, the reward. It's, it's a wonderful <laughs> reward. And that's another thing that you talk about, being grateful for those even small things. Especially for the small things, because there are so many of them. There are. When we spend our time just thinking about all the big things, we miss those little things, the flower that's just kind of hanging over the sidewalk on the path. Yes. It's just a moment of, ah, oh, beauty. And, well, and when we begin to see the small things, we have to move a little more slowly through life to appreciate that. And it just really changes our perspective. I think anything we can do to slow down and to add more spaciousness to our life is going to be of benefit. But you see, Justine, if we slow down, we begin to also come face to face with some of our limitations. And human beings don't like that. And we are a young culture. And we like to move fast. And that way we don't see our limitations. We feel invincible and mighty powerful. Say more about that, because we are vulnerable. We can't do everything. 
You know, I've been in America for 32 years. I love this country. It has been so good to me. I have never felt discriminated against, which is amazing. You know, I and your original culture. I don't think I, I'm Persian. Mm-hmm. I'm from Iran. I left my country when I was 16, right around revolution time. So it's with the love that I'm saying this, but on the spectrum of world cultures, America is a young country. You know, we act like teenagers. We speak fast, we move fast, we spend our money foolishly, and we just think we're invincible. So sooner or later, life is going to teach us some lessons, and we realize, you know, we're not invincible, and we will see some of the consequences of some of our actions. But, well, like some of the older people, when they begin to slow down and develop a wisdom, some of the older cultures have achieved that. I know when I travel to other cultures and I see people sitting around in coffee shops or, you know, talking to one another on the roadside, and it just seems like a wholly different idea than our rushing, rushing, rushing. Well, you know, I had a couple of friends who read this book and they said, well, you know, I finished it in like two hours. Well, yes, this book is written very simply. But it's kind of like sitting next to a little river and you say, well, is that all I was supposed to hear? It's not a loud book. Mm -hmm. Six Life Secrets of Content Women is not a loud book at all. It doesn't hit you over the head. But I think after you finish reading it, you can go back to just about any paragraph. I really feel that, too, about it, that it's framing it in a very quiet but very powerful way of how we can really take better care of ourselves, especially in these times we need to. Because our relationships are so important, and for us to truly be available to each other, we have to have a full tank of gas. Yes, may it be so. Thank you so much for being with us, Azarm, on this New Dimensions Cafe. Thank you. I've been speaking with Azarm Gariman, and she's the author of Six Life Secrets of Content Women, A Guide for Emotional Self-Care. And if you'd like to be in touch with her, you can go to the website, mazdaconnections.com. That's M-A-Z-D-A, Connections. Or you can get there through the New Dimensions website, newdimensions.org. Thank you for joining us on the New Dimensions Cafe. I'm Justine Willis-Toms, and I ask you, please join us again. You've been listening to the New Dimensions Cafe. This series of shorter interviews features many of the remarkable guests also featured on our internationally syndicated one-hour New Dimensions radio series. To access more than a thousand hours of programs, to subscribe to our newsletters, or to become a member, please visit us at newdimensions.org. New Dimensions Radio has been making a difference on our planet since 1973, thanks to the generosity of our listeners. You too can help make a difference with a tax-deductible donation or membership. Please visit our website, newdimensions.org, and just click the Donate button. We at New Dimensions thank you for your support.